0: all right thank you praise team folks if you have a copy of god's word if you would open with me to genesis chapter 3 genesis chapter 3 i want to share just a a brief word from god's word with you genesis chapter 3 as you're finding that uh, i say here to you if it needs to be said I, i love my dad man i love my dad my dad is a unique fella if you, uh, those of you who know my dad, he's a retired highway patrolman. Uh, he's been in police work most of his life, um, and he is a—he's um, got a unique sense of humor. So I'm glad that's not rubbed off on me. But uh, but he is a—he's uh, a, a great example for me, and I—I I love him. He called me this week, and he said, um, you know, two things. Uh, you know, main thing he told me, he said, "Hey, I I just bought a pressure washer." and I said great. And he said, uh, well, it's not assembled. There's this long pause. And I thought, well, you need to get somebody to assemble that. He said, yeah, when do you think you could come over? And uh, the other thing he said to me is this. He said, now this pressure washer I bought, it's got 2,800 PSI. And there's a long pause. And he said, you think that's enough? And I said, it depends on what you're doing with it. I mean, it really depends on what you're doing with it. If you're washing your car, that's probably too much. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's, there's lots of different ways to do that. And, and my dad kind of does that sometimes. And, and he's kind of, uh, things that he, he sees, sometimes he buys. And, and he needs them. Needs them, right? And then he doesn't know how to work them. And then he hands them off to me, and I gladly take them. Because I apparently, if my dad needed it, Brad, then I needed it too, Right? And so I've got a, a little room in my house that's got some things in it. I don't know what they are. I don't know how to use them, right? And I can't call my daddy because he has no idea what they are either. But, uh, but I think about that, and, and gentlemen, the reason I, I think I think about my dad and, and just the little quirkiness that he has, little things like that that he does, uh, I think about men. And, and it's my intention as your pastor that our... Uh, journey together would be more of a, uh, a marathon than a sprint, that we would travel to an intentional place and that we would get there together. But it's going to be on down the road. You see, I understand this. Um, when we think about um, how something is designed to work, we always need to go back to the Creator. You know, I mean, for me, as a man, can I say to you, I do not need... Uh, an elected official telling me what I'm supposed to be as a man. I don't need uh, my culture, my surroundings. I definitely don't need uh, my, my talk box at my house. I don't need anything that comes through earbuds. I don't need anything like that that tells me what I'm supposed to be as a man because I need a professional, you know what I'm saying? Somebody that understands why they created it and how they created it. And as I think through that, I take very seriously the text that I want to share with you from Genesis chapter 3. Because in Genesis chapter 3, we find this, that God, in Genesis 1 and 2, He has worked, and He has created. And everything that He's created, He's used that expression. Now, I want to keep it in front of you. He says, after He creates, He looks at it and He says, it's good. It's good. It's a reflection of who God is God does not make things that are corrupt. God doesn't make things that are broken. God doesn't make things that don't have a purpose. God doesn't make things that he doesn't understand. But with all of that put together, what we see here is this when God creates man, he says, I don't have to have, let me hear hear me, I don't have to have man in order to be in existence. God was in existence before man came along. I don't have to have man in order to be a better God because he's already a perfect God. He's already a good God. He's a good father. We just sang about that. So we look at this idea that God creates man and he says, I got a purpose for you. Don't let anybody else tell you what that purpose is. Don't let anybody else deceive you and tell you that that purpose is something else, men. Because when God creates Adam, he says... I don't have to do this, I want to do this, and I want to do this because man is going to serve a purpose, right? Man's going to serve a purpose. And when I think about that, I understand, and I I want to relate as best I possibly can uh, to what you were going through as a man. I, I hope I can relate well to that, gentlemen. And I would say three simple things to you. Number one, you are accepted by God as you are there is no impressing God there is no fixing yourself in order to then be loved by God but the concept that the scripture indicates is this is that God accepts men just as they are in their brokenness God loves us when we don't reach expectations when we don't do everything perfect when we don't get the checklist accomplished God loves us just as we are so the first thing I'd say to you, you are loved by your Creator. He loves you for a purpose because He created you for a purpose. Now the second thing is where I get into a lot of trouble as a pastor, and I understand that we, we're going to run this marathon together, but the second truth that I understand from Scripture that, that moves me as a man is that even though I'm accepted as I am, God never calls me to stay as I am. He never says, hey, that's okay. He never says, you're in your brokenness. You're in your sin. You're flawed. You're pursuing the wrong things. You have the wrong motivations. That's okay. He never says that to us. But instead, for every man, he says, I got a purpose for you. And I'm going to move you to that purpose. I'm going to call you to that purpose. I want to motivate you to that purpose. I want you to get on board with that purpose. You see, it's never okay for a man to be idle for us to just exist but if we exist for a purpose then we're always called to that purpose we're always called to more and that's a lot of pressure amen men that's a lot of pressure for us because we know that people are watching us we know that people are looking at us we know that people are expecting things from us we know that there's a lot looking at us and we understand this concept from scripture god accepts us as we are, but He never says just stay the way you are. He's always calling us to more. He's always calling us to be, Romans would say, like His Son Jesus Christ, to be conformed and transformed into the image of Jesus, to where we look and act and think and speak like Jesus. So there's a lot on us. And that leads me to this third thought as we get into the text this morning, is that we are constrained by relationship. And men, if you're anything like me, I don't like to hear that. I am an introverted person by nature. I'm an introverted person by nature. I like to be left alone. And I say that to churches, and I say that when I preach to people, and I say that to my students a lot at school. And, and people hear that differently. Alright? I cannot change how I am, the kind of person that I am naturally created to be. I am introverted. I like to have quiet time, where it's me, myself, and I, right? I like to be left alone. I like to sit down and rest. I like to do things like that. But what the Scripture tells us here is this, and what God's calling for us is this, you're not going to make it to where God wants you to be without the help of others. So, let me not just preach to the men here for a second, but let me speak to the family, to the church, to the spouse, to the kids. Men are not going to make it to where God's calling them to be they're just going to be trapped under this constant pressure of being more and being called to more, but they're not going to make it without help. We need help. And when you approach us to say, hey, we're here to help, we are going to throw up the defenses and say, no, I got it. Y'all know anybody like that? No, I got it. I'll fix it myself. I'll do it myself. And so you see that for men here, church, That there's this culture that we build because of Christ. And we say, we're here to help our men. We're here to help our men. We start in Genesis and we see that God creates man. Adam, first man for a reason. And I want to show you a unique text. So if you read with me in Genesis 3, we want to talk about how we're constrained to these relationships, how we grow within relationships, how we have this purpose thrust upon us, but we need help with it. And we need, ultimately, God's help. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Scripture says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. The serpent said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. That's interesting. Verse 4, it says, but the serpent said to the woman, 'You you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And gentlemen, right here you're thinking, it's not even mentioned man. I mean, what's this have to do with me in any kind of way? We've covered about six verses here, and this text isn't even about fathers. It's not even about men. So middle of verse 6 it says, "...and she also gave some to her husband..." And where was he? Who was with her. And he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked. I'm sorry, naked. I mispronounced it. I was like a northerner there for a second. They were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. I'm always blown away by that church. Where did they try to hide? That's weird. Here comes omnipotent, all-powerful, omniscient. can see all know all God. Let's get behind the rock. So they hid themselves from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the... What's that word? Verse 9, it says, But the Lord God called to the... I'm sorry, it it was muffled there. The Lord God called to the... And He said to him, Where are you? And He said, I heard the sound of the voice... uh, Excuse me, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me. She gave me the fruit of the tree. And I ate. Praise God for that. What I'd like to share with you briefly here is this. There are, I think from this passage of Scripture we're going to find there's three very simple tasks that God's given to a man. There's three very simple tasks, and these tasks are tied with a relationship. Gentlemen, if you're coming in today and you say, well, I'm a, I'm a single young man, or I'm a single guy, and I, just, I, I don't hear anything in Father's Day from God's Word for me. Let me tell you, the task for the man is the task for the man. So if you'll hear it today, process it, prepare yourself, then God's going to work in your life. You be prepared for what God has for you. He's got a purpose for you. And what we'd say here is this, there's also with each task, family, that's spouse or kids, there's a challenge for you that I want to share. So let's dive into it. The first task that I see here is this, is that the man's responsibility in the Garden of Eden is to be present. It's to be present, especially when the enemy, when Satan is attacking the family. The most important thing, the most important assignment, if you will, that God has given to the man is to be present in that situation. Is it strange to you, and I've got all this, uh, this church raising that I've had, All right, and all this church raising that I've had, here's what I've found. When I go to Genesis 3, it doesn't strike me anymore as abnormal that a snake is talking to a woman. We've been so churched that we read that and we're like, yeah, okay, yeah, I've heard this before, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Listen, let me tell you something that's going to happen in my front yard or backyard or side yard or house or attic or wherever. If a snake walks up on my wife, it's going to be abnormal up in there. Okay? It's going to be strange. If she starts to speak to this snake, I couldn't tell y'all what she'd say. Because she'd say, pastor's wife, not supposed to. Oh, no, but, but the idea is that there's a snake, there's a serpent that comes into this garden, this this celestial place where God is created. And we understand probably at this time in Genesis that there's a whole lot of two people on the face of the earth. So our key players here is there's God who creates man. Man is isolated and alone, needs relationship that can't be satisfied with any other animal. All right, we'll preach that till the day I die. No satisfaction can be had that man is created to have with any animal of the earth so God causes him to fall into deep sleep, takes a rib from his side, and he makes woman. And he says, this is going to be a suitable helper for you. And that's a beautiful Hebrew term. It means basically this, ladies. It means that God has created you to be connected with your husband to help your husband strive to be like Jesus. Jesus. Help your husband strive to be like Jesus because he's constrained by relationship. He can't get there by himself. He can't get there in his independence. So the concept that we find here is this, is that this serpent comes into the garden in Genesis chapter 3, and the serpent engages the woman in conversation. And the first topic of conversation the serpent wants to talk about is, what did God, if you look with me there in verse 2, excuse me, verse 1, what did God actually say? What did God actually, actually say to you, Eve. So i got to lay a question on you here. And you might not know the answer to this because I might not know the answer to this. But when I'm reading this, I'm thinking about God's created this perfect garden. God's created this perfect woman for this first man. And God's got this purpose for this man. And then there's this conversation with the snake and the woman. I'm wondering where the man is in this conversation. And as you think through that, your brain, like mine, is probably going to go to something like this. Well, he's probably out working. What? He's probably out what? The purpose of the garden is that man and woman have a relationship with God. They have a meeting place with God. They have a dwelling place with God. And that what they do together is satisfying to them and pleases God. Where is Adam? While Satan, this serpent is speaking to his bride, by the way, literally the only woman on the face of the earth. Is it possible that Adam is not distant, but is close? Is it possible? Because as we look down the text, and we see the emphasis of the text, the idea is that when she reaches and takes the fruit of the tree and she tastes of the fruit, she eats of the fruit, did she then, in your mind, somebody tell me here, did she then go searching for Adam to find him wherever he was or does she turn to her side and say, here you go. If you're not tracking this with me, either Adam is way out here And Eve and Satan are way over there at some remote location in the oasis of the desert. Or, there's Eve. Here's the snake. Here's Adam. See, it makes a difference to me because there's a big difference. There's a big difference if Adam's standing right there And he's just watching his mate be tempted by Satan. We would understand that part of the fall of humanity, that's what we talk about in Genesis 3, the fall of humanity comes because of man's silence. He has been entrusted with God, this suitable helper. And as Satan begins to have this very abnormal conversation with his bride, with his spouse, with his loved one, with the only other person on the face of the earth, Adam's just kind of sitting there. He doesn't want to speak up. Does he not want to engage? Is he afraid? What's happening? Gentlemen, can I say something to you? When Satan is attacking my wife, that is my business. That is my business. Because my wife, and I remember, gentlemen, being single. And I remember that time, that season in my life where I was praying for God to reveal His will. And I can tell you, was doubting God's will for my life. Doubting if God was going to bring someone the right person into my life to be my suitable helper, to be my partner. I remember seeking and calling out. And wondering, God, are you going to do this? Are you going to do this? God, I want it so bad. There's this desire inside of me for a suitable helper. God, bring this into my life. Can I tell you, when God answers that prayer in your life, you take responsibility to be present when Satan begins to attack your spouse. So, well, now, she's independent of what? Is she independent thinking? That's great. I love that. My wife is an independent thinker. I love that about my wife. Is she independent in her actions? Yeah, we, don't, we don't, don't chain her up or anything like that. My wife's free to go wherever she wants to go, right? But I am present in my wife's life. Because God's given me my wife. Because God's given me my wife. And so I want to be involved in what's happening in her life because when I begin to, with the Holy Spirit living inside of me, which is true for every one of you, which is true for every one of you who are a believer, when the Holy Spirit begins to whisper in my ear and I'm listening to what's going on in my wife's life and she's telling me about a new relationship with someone or she's telling me about maybe something that she's reading or maybe something that she's watched on TV or maybe something that happened to her at the supermarket and the Holy Spirit begins to say, Hey, Casey, that's your woman! It's my responsibility to listen to that and be present and to speak and to say, hey, listen, I love you. And part of my responsibility, because I'm your man and you're my woman and we are pledged together, is to protect you and to guard you and to advise you and to counsel with you and to love you and to steer and guide you in any way that I possibly can. I'm hearing something here I want to talk to you about. Can I share it with you? That this is not just my, my dad advising me in to be this way. This is not, not my, 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 my fellow men advising me to be this way. Can I tell you what God's plan is for my life? God's plan for me as a man is that I'm present in my home. And as I'm present in my home, when God is what, what He would say in Psalms, I, he, He's blessed me to be a father. Can I say something to you? Then I'm present in my daughter's life. I'm not just watching from a distance saying, don't know what's going on with that. No, but I'm present there. All right? Now, sometimes, can I say with you, I'm talking about being constrained in relationship. Sometimes I have no idea what I'm talking about. Did you know that? Sometimes as a father, I have no idea what I'm talking about. I'm not cool enough. I'm not trendy enough. I'm not hip enough. Whatever expression you want to use. Sometimes I just don't know what's going on. And I still speak up. And I still speak up. Because it is my responsibility. And can I share my heart with you? Just because everybody else is doing it means neither jack nor squat. Because it's my responsibility to be present. It's my responsibility to be present as Satan begins to attack. You say, well, Satan might be attacking everybody else's family. We pray for them. Can I tell you my first and foremost responsibility? When Satan begins to have conversation with my loved ones in my home, it might always be perfectly constructed. It might not be eloquent. But it is my responsibility to be present to speak up. No. We're not going to do that. What if everybody literally is doing it? Everybody literally is doing it. Well, I've broken that statistic because I'm part of everybody and it ain't happening. Gentlemen, that's not something that we do lightly. It's not something that we do casually. But it is what this calling that God's placed on our lives, is that when Satan begins to attack our families, listen, you turn on that talk box at your house, and you say, well, I just, I just had it on for noise. And you start listening to it. And you start listening to it, because there are other people in your home that are listening to it. So can I encourage you in this? Adam's first mistake here, I believe that he's present, but silent. I think that he's watching what's going down. I think that he's right there saying, "Mm, what you going to do, eh? He's created by God for a purpose, and that purpose is to bring glory and honor to God. He's been entrusted with this relationship with this woman, and he is supposed to be the one that is watching over and caring spiritually for this woman, so this woman becomes what God has created her to become. So here's the idea. The message to the men is this, is to be present. Is to be present. You might not understand it. You might not be comfortable with it. He said, does that mean that I have to go and when they go to the grocery store? Or I have to go everywhere they go? No, 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 I'm saying this. You need to know what's happening. And you need to know when the Holy Spirit's tugging at your heart to say, get vocal. Get vocal. Good friend of ours. I should ask permission before I use this, but I'm not going to. Uh, Dr., uh, uh, Dr. Horton is a, uh, a good friend of ours in Georgia. Dr. Horton, uh, ha- he's, a, he's a God-fearing family man. And we were invited, uh, Tina and I, as I was serving as youth minister, we were invited over, it was prom night at the high school where the Horton girls went. And so we were invited over to kind of be a part of the festivities, right? And so as I walked in, there was pork chop. Uh, Dr. Horton had uh, what must have been a, a 9 to 10 inch butcher knife in the, in the living room, which I thought was strange, And I said, hey, Doc, what's going on? He said, I'm just waiting on Jess's date. Okay. And I walked away because that was a smart thing to do. That 16-year-old boy pulled up in that fancy car that wasn't his. It must have been his mama's. But he pulled up in that car, and I swear to you, by the time the car had come to a stop, Dr. Horton had walked out on the porch and closed the door behind him with that knife in his hand. I'm not giving you guys advice. But I am telling you, true story. The first conversation that that young 16-year-old boy had on prom night with anybody that wasn't his blood kin was with Dr. Horton. It was on his front porch. It was just the two of them and that 9-10-inch butcher knife. And you say, that's radical. i gonna tell you something. I'm called by God to be present in my daughter's life. I'm called by God to protect my wife, my daughter, and my family from the advances of Satan. Gentlemen, I'm not called to that because I'm a pastor. I'm called to that because I'm a man. So, family, you would understand, you would be probably uncomfortable with this level of preaching. Let me say this to you. Family, your challenge here is this uh, you've got to communicate a message to the man in your life and that message if you're ready to communicate it is something to this effect we want you to be involved sometimes when we don't feel welcome to be involved in your life spiritually we don't know how to proceed so if you would pray about if you truly want this to happen pray about how you communicate this to your man in your life and find a way to approach him to get this message across I want you to be involved I want you to be involved. If you offend me, if you hurt my feelings, if you don't understand, if you say things at times that embarrass me, I still want you to be involved because I want God's best for my life. Didn't say it was an easy message. I said it's a message. Task number two, if you look with me, is this. Task number two, task one is to be present, men. But also task two, I do believe this from the teaching of Scripture, that it is your task to lead your family. As evil presents opportunity to go go with the flow, you'll see in verse six. Verse six, we'll find that this unique conversation takes place. Verse six, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, that all sounds good, it all sounds good, she took of its fruit and ate. What's the big deal? God said not to. There, that's sin. When God says not to do it, and we do it. And she also gave some to her husband. Can I ask you, gentlemen, as you hear that passage of Scripture, who's influencing who? Because the concept that we understand from Scripture is that God has charged man, and He said to man, I'm going to give you this woman. He creates man first. Ladies, we can't argue that. Creates man first. And then He says, now I'm going to give you this woman that's going to be a suitable helper to you. And so what we find in verse 6, it seems like the leadership, the influence, is actually not coming from God's design flow, but it's coming from a different source. And so what we see in verse 6 is this, is this concept that the woman says to the man, hey, Satan convinced me to do this, so come on and do this with me. Now, there's this age-old argument that keeps coming up, and it's always a lot of awkwardness, so it's a lot of fun here, when we say, hey, whose fault is mankind's sin?" And if you look at the teaching of Scripture, what a lot of people point out to me is this, well, we wouldn't have gotten into this trouble if it hadn't been for women. <laughs> Please don't do that to me or in front of my wife. Don't, don't say things like that to me because here's the understanding that we have. God creates man and He says, I give you responsibility for this woman. I give you responsibility to lead this woman to me. I give you responsibility to point this woman to me. I give you responsibility to encourage this woman To follow me and to love me. And so the concept that I understand here is this. Is that as we have this engagement with Satan. Because Adam then is silent. Because he's not present as he should be. Then the shift and therefore the leadership. The direction then of mankind. The direction of the family is going to go Satan's way. By Satan's plan and Satan's intention. So the simple challenge here for you man is this. Is to be a leader in your family. And sometimes you say. I just don't know what to say. I don't know how to go. I don't know what to do. And since you're constrained by relationship, the only way that you're going to make it is by relationship, can I say to you this? Don't stay where you are and reach out. And I hope that our relationship would build. I hope that your relationship would build with Porkchop. I hope your relationship would build With any staff, every staff member that we have, every deacon that we have, I hope that our relationships would build. That you would understand this: we want to see the family succeed, and the key is you, men. The key is you, men. And we're going to get into this hopefully in August, maybe September. We're going to begin the talking as we get to know each other more and more. But I've got a simple concept that I'm going to lay on you, and we'll enhance it, we'll develop it, it'll grow. You ready? Strong families make a strong church. Strong families make a strong church. You know how I know that? Weak families make a weak church. Families where communication is weak make a church where communication is weak. Families where leadership is confused. Direction, purpose is confused. Authority is confused. Makes a church. Where all those things are confused. And so we focus on my heart is for men. Understanding what God created you to be. Understanding where God wants you to go. And understanding how to lead your family to get there. So I invite you to this marathon run that we're engaging in together. I hope our trust can build. So that we can see God's word together. And that you could help me lead my family. The way that God's called me to lead my family. Not the way. Other pastors are leading their family. <laughs> I'm not as interested in that believe it or not. I'm interested in what God has said for me. To do. In my family. As a leader. And men I need other men around me. Who will help me. Right. The most focal person. In spiritual leadership. Is the one that usually falls. The hardest. We've seen this. Amen. Amen. You've seen this in large churches, this happened in our culture, where the pastor comes under attack for either, what is it? It's usually what pork chop? Mishandling of money or sexual misconduct. And we look at that church and we look at that church and we look at that and we talk about it and we talk about it and we talk about it and I just haven't seen us do anything to prevent it. So what I want to say to you, men, is this. From my heart, Happy Father's Day. I want to say to you, I want to come along beside you. I want to walk with you. I want to show you God's Word. I want to have one-on-one conversations with you. I want to have small group conversations with you. I want to share with you. It's hard to be a man, but God doesn't leave us alone. He keeps calling us to be the leaders He's called us to be. I need your help. And I want to come along beside you and help you with that. Third thing that I would see here is this, and we're done. Oh, excuse me, the family message is this. Family message, let me, let me not miss this. So if you see a man who's struggling to lead, ladies, can I say a word to you? Don't belittle him. Don't belittle him publicly. Don't tear him down. Don't, oh, don't roll your eyes. Don't keep on after him. Keep on after him. Keep. I just keep telling him. I keep telling him. Listen, would you stop telling him? Start telling God about him? Would you just start telling God about him and just start saying, hey God, this is my husband. So the message that I encourage you ladies and I encourage you children to communicate to Dad here is this. We need you to lead us. We need you to lead us. We need you to be an example for us. We need you to to be a rock force, We need you to be there, not just present, but we you need, need you to be involved in leading us and pointing us in the right direction. We need you to do more than shrug your shoulders. What do you think I should do? I don't know. What do you think I should wear? I don't know. What do you think I should watch? I don't know. Who do you think I should date? I don't know. Listen, we need more than that. So pray about families. How can you communicate this to Dad in an effective way? Hey, Dad, we need you. We support you. We're behind you. Show us the direction. Then task number three is to be accountable. Task number three, be accountable when God comes looking. So let's break down verse eight. You ready? It says, when they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day and the man and his wife, there it is again, they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. I still see Adam doing one of these, you know. God can't see me. I'm behind a tree. I'm behind a rock. That's weird. That's strange to me, right? Right? So it says, and don't miss this, men. The point of that verse is not where they hid. The point of the verse is that God came looking for them. He came looking for them. It gets better. Verse 9, but the Lord God called to the man. The reason he's calling to the man is because the man's the one he left in charge. The man's the one that he left responsible. And so he's calling. He's saying, hey, I'm coming to get an account. I left this room. I said that you were going to be the one that's going to be in charge of this room. You're the one that's going to be responsible for what happens in this room, and now I'm back, so I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. But catch it. Don't miss this. Now, verse 12. Verse 12 is where we end. This is, this is how the man responds. The man said what? He points his finger at the woman. The woman! Whom? who's he point his finger at? You, God, gave me. Gave to be with me. She's the one that gave me the fruit of the tree. Can I tell you something? This man, Adam, he's blaming everybody. Except for looking at himself. He's pointing at everybody, isn't he? He's looking at everybody saying, everybody's done something wrong. But if I look back up, it looked like it was the one that he said, he ate. He ate. Verse 6, he ate. He ate. So we come to this passage and we see verse 12. This man doesn't want to be accountable. Can I share with you, no man uh, that I've ever met, myself included, longs for accountability. Woo, hold me accountable. I'm going to tell you, man, you're constrained by relationship. The only way you're going to spiritually succeed is with the help of other men. The only way that you're going to spiritually succeed is with the help of other men. So where we really just, we, we, we go a little too far with it, but let's just venture out there just for a second. You ready? Men, do you have another man in your life that when you're tempted sexually you can call on and you know that he'll answer the phone, you know that he'll speak truth into your life, you know that he will tell you, remind you of God's plan? Do you have that? Men, do you have a man in your life when you know you've not been in God's Word, you've not been on your knees in prayer, you've not been the leader for your family you've not been doing the things that God's charged you to do to be the example God wants you to be man do you have a man in your life that speaks truth into your life it says hey let's do this together nobody's perfect but let's do this together do you have a man in your life or men in your life that you call on for accountability we wonder and I, I wrestle with this I wrestle with this why can't I exercise regularly? Here's why. I don't really want to. I don't really want to. But the most success that I've ever had in my life with exercising is when I've got another guy or two that we're going to hold me accountable. What's going on with you? What's happening? spiritually? Spiritually, you men are under attack. You men are under attack. You are under attack. And he said, I don't feel under attack. That means Satan just left you alone because you ain't doing nothing. So I want to point this scripture out to you. Don't blame others. But understand God's got a purpose for you, and you're constrained by relationship. You're called to that purpose through relationship message to the family is this and and family think about how you can communicate this effectively dad dad we need you to be accountable i would rather be accountable than disgraced wouldn't you i would rather be accountable And not have everybody in my business. Now listen, we talk about accountability. We're going to talk more about it. Let me say this to you. People come up and say, Pastor, I decided to hold you accountable. (laughs) You've not been invited. But I am responsible for inviting some men into my life to say, hey men, I trust you. I open myself up to you. Would you help me in this area where I'm weak, this area where I'm strong? I can't do it by myself. There is no success for us spiritually without relationship. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, as we come to you today, Lord, I pray for our men. Um, Men have a lot on them. There's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of expectations. There's a lot of responsibility. So my hope this morning is simply that we can speak to the men. And God, by your word, we say... Men, be present. Men, lead. Men, get accountable with somebody, please, before you're disgraced. God, our message very simply is we invite men to respond to the task that You've given them. Lord, I pray for our families at Friendship. I pray for the families represented here today. And God, I ask that You would help the families not make it harder on the men but to come along with your help and be a foundation of support for our men. Calling on our men to be leaders. Calling on our men to get accountable. Calling on our men to be present where they are called to be present. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen the families of friendship, the families represented here today, the families represented through our church. Lord, your spirit strengthen us, Lord, if there's a man here this morning Perhaps he recognizes in his life an area where he's struggling. We want to give that man an opportunity to reach out. We want to give that man an opportunity to grab onto a lifeline. So here's the lifeline, God, that we recognize from Scripture. You offer forgiveness no matter how big, how deep, How dark the sin. So I pray if there's a gentleman here today that's sinking in sin. I pray that by your Holy Spirit you would extend that life preserver, that you would extend that that hand of rescue to them. Let them hear the truth that they can be and they are in you forgiven. When they confess their sins and they turn from their sins, you're eager to save. You're eager to rescue. So Lord, I lift up Anyone this morning that comes struggling, trapped in sin. Thank you, Lord Jesus. that You are the one who has delivered us from the power and oppression of darkness. You are the one that has saved us from sin. And it is by your power that we claim victory and freedom. So Lord, we come to you. Not as strong. But as weak. Reaching out for you in receiving your plan, your help today. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. As Todd begins to lead us, if there is a response that you feel led to make, I'm here at the front. I'd love to help in any way I can. If it's praying for you, if it's praying, and gentlemen, if you feel led, you want to come to the altar, ladies, you want to come to the altar to pray for your spouse, children, you want to come and you want to lift up the man that's in your life. We have the altar open. I'm here to counsel, here to help in any way that I can, here to pray for you and support you, church. Let's walk through this together.